Welcome to Religious Not Spiritual, the podcast where a disillusioned preacher reads through the entire Bible and talks about whatever comes up. In episode 10, we see Jesus getting theological. We talk about the useful danger of approaching scripture with a beginner's mind and consider a little how Levi leaving his tax collecting is different from Peter leaving his nets. Does anybody else have this thing where when you wake up in the morning, your voice is significantly deeper than it generally is? It makes me sound very big, I think. Um, I remember listening to John Piper sermons a lot in Bible college. In fact, I would argue that one particular sermon of his, Doing Missions When Dying is Gain, might have been the the match or the catalyst or at least one of the straws that pushed me to become a missionary so sermons are powerful and he's got this deep powerful passionate voice that uses a lot of really cool adjectives and then i met him in 2002 in toronto at the evangelical theological society uh, conference which was being held there that year to discuss important issues like uh, evangelicalism's relationship with other religions and the openness theology question. And I met him, and he's short, such a short dude, um, about the same height as uh, my wife Ruth, and she's really short. Anyway, that was a neat thing. Told him I was going to, or I'd been to Scotland, or I was going to Scotland, and he's like, oh yeah. And then my buddy said, yeah, I'm going to go preach the gospel in Egypt. He's like, yes! He got all excited. <sighs> We're still in Luke 5, aren't we? Luke 5, 17. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. This might be, is this the first time we've heard about the Pharisees in Luke? I believe it is. The first time we've seen the Pharisees, because they're not even mentioned when John is baptizing. The Pharisees were a cool group of people. If you look them up, do it, you know, even if you just do a cursory Wikipedia glance, they actually seem like some interestingly cool people. Um, they, they, they seem to be against the Pharisees, who were more like trying to keep religion for the elites. The Pharisees were, were trying to make it so that, you know, everybody can really take part in, in a religious experience. And I've heard some people argue that, you know, um, some of the Christian developments, including the idea of the priesthood of all believers, is descended from a, a pharisaical idea. Um, the, it's, it's strange that in the Gospels, they're always, almost always pit as the bad guys, as the people who are fighting against Jesus. And I've always wondered if that's because um, he had a relationship with the Pharisees. I criticize evangelicalism a lot, only because I have a relationship with it. And I wonder if the reason the Pharisees are getting picked on a lot is because Jesus was sympathetic to the Pharisees. Some people have argued that his theology suggests he, in fact, was a Pharisee. Uh, a Pharisee who, who was raised by Essenes, I suppose, um, which, which makes him a cool guy. But that's all conjecture. Uh, which is all that we can do, because this is our myth, and that's what we do with it. In the abundance of words, meaning will come. 
And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. What a what a really, really cool picture. They, they get on the roof, they strip the tiles off the roof, and lower this guy down on a bed. These are real friends, eh? We've got to get our buddy in here. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven. Oof. So now, now this is, a, this is a bit of a move. Jesus going from the wandering healer uh, to, this is, a, this is a theological thing he's doing. He's forgiving a sin. And the Pharisees and scribes catch on. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Evangelicals will grab this and say, See, see, even the Pharisees knew that basically this means Jesus is God. I want to read this not assuming that Jesus is God or that he thinks that he's God. I just kind of want to take this as a first time, as a first run, which is a bit of a dangerous thing to do if you're actually a believer. That's one of the things that started my faith falling apart. Because after, uh, you know, many, many years ago when I believed, when I discovered through Scripture that hell is not really a biblical concept, at least not the way that evangelicals approach the Bible and understand hell, I started trying to read the Bible with very fresh eyes, starting with Jesus rather than starting with Paul, and everything started to fall apart after that. It was a spiritually very powerful hermeneutical approach. Um, it, it certainly uh, shook things so that everything that could fall away did. But for those of us who really want to, I don't know, get something out of our scripture, I think it's a really, really useful way of approaching it. Let's, let's pretend that we've never heard of this Jesus fellow, that Luke is the first time we've read this story. What are we thinking? So the Pharisees begin to question, saying, Who is this who blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So they're coming up with doctrinal difficulties with the words Jesus are using. So when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they all glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. That's a cool moment. That's a cool moment um, where, where Jesus... And, and we see this in ancient literature a lot where we have sages. We, you'll have the sage doing something... The opponent will like raise an objection and the sage shuts it down with one word or with one action. Uh, we see that in other writings, which I don't know much about, but we definitely see that here. How can you say you forgive sins? Oh yeah, watch, walk, which is easier. I can forgive sins too. That's a real weird and powerful thing. And in, right now I'm trying to figure out what is what exactly is Luke getting at here? I don't really have anything. I don't really have anything. I mean, of course... I, this is a, this is all familiar stuff to me, and while I was a believer, you know, this I, I understood exactly what this meant. You know, this is Jesus demonstrating his supremacy, that he is, you know, not just you know a, a sage, but that he is God incarnate, and he has the power to forgive sins, and the the healing is the proof of that. 
right? Because as an evangelical approaching this, not with fresh eyes, but with the entire schema, the theological schema that I inherited, then this, this section really fits in and makes a lot of sense, right? But for, but for now in Luke, we, we, we have this Jesus figure who seems to be healing and proclaiming liberty through a message that he hasn't really explicated yet, except for, you know, what, what his mom and aunt hinted towards, uh, hills being laid low and valleys going up and the hungry being filled and the rich being sent away. Um, so, so, so I, th I, I, I had a professor in Bible college who, who I respected a lot, still do, still do, don't, don't really uh, talk to him at all, but he, he said that you had to be careful when you're studying the Bible, especially in a group, because they can very easily become poolings of ignorance. And what he meant was exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm just kind of opening this up, not preparing beforehand. Read that passage. Huh, okay, I can forgive sins. Go home and uh, rise up and pick up your bed or whatever. That's neat. I got nothing to say about it, though. Verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Ooh, I like this. And Levi... And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with him. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled as, at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Ooh, this is starting to come together. I like this one with Levi who's called Matthew in the other gospel, um, his, his, his business is a lot different from the one that uh, Simon, James, and John just abandoned in chapter 5, right? They left their nets and just followed. Boom. We're going to leave this way of doing life. We're going to go to this one. Now, Levi is occupying a, a, an oppressor's seat in, in this ancient society. He's a tax collector. He is the arm of the empire. So he is not liked, but he has great big. That was funny. I got a phone call. So we got this Levi guy who's occupying a really unnatural place. I, I'm, I'm going to use that word carefully, an unnatural place in a society, because he is a local resident, a member of the marginalized population that is being oppressed by Rome, but he is also benefiting, in a way, from that oppression, financially at least, as the arm, you know, the, 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 the mechanism through which Rome can extract money. So Jesus is like, okay, leave that behind. Follow me, follow me. Leaves it all, leaves it all. And even calls it repentance at the end. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Repentance is like my favorite aspect of religion, especially Christianity. This, this idea that you can be confronted with something that you didn't see before, a stick in your eye, the scales on your eye, a realization of going the wrong way or of being part of the machinery that is sending the world the wrong way and repenting of it, turning from it, leaving it, right? Getting up from the change, from the tax table and walking, inviting Jesus over for dinner, right? And, and enduring the people who, 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 who dump on you for that, right? The Pharisees who are like, oh my God, why are you eating with these guys? Did it do 